Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yo, what is up, Believers? What is up, Bear Down Nation? This is the Believe in Bears podcast. I'm Cameron Lee. And I am Joey Christopoulos. And today's Believe in Bears is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Did someone say playoffs? Well, in the next couple of days, the PA, MLB, and even the NHL, they're going to be coming back. So plenty of more reasons to go over to BetOnline right now because they have got you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes at BetOnline. So head to BetOnline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus and your first deposit. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, what do we got going on the pod today? I mean, the big thing that every single Chicago Bears fan is thinking about right now is definitely the David Montgomery situation. Obviously had that little bit of an of a injury uh, happen yesterday during practice, and we will get to that. But before we do so, I think that we need to talk about something that's maybe it's weighing on my heart a little bit. I'm sure it's probably doing the same for you. And that's sort of all these the protest, uh, the NBA having their own you know, protest inside the bubble in the middle of this playoffs, you know, WNBA, the MLB, all these different leagues reacting and handling things their own way. Joey, what do you think about everything that's going on right now? What's your reaction? My first reaction was to something that we talked about two days ago, where we did mention sports being a galvanizing presence and something that people can look to. And there was a lot of symbolism and messaging in sports. Now, having said all that, this is also why we have sports for these type of moments. And the NBA, once again, is leading out in front on something that is so important right now. And look, I have to be honest with you. You know, you see a lot of opinions out there, people that are very famous and popular making all these opinions about how the NBA is boycotting their own league and their own organization, the league that pays them, which honestly I call total bullshit on. This is a moment right now where they can actually, as sports is a distraction, also this is also something where they can say, you know what, we're not playing today. And they're asking for a reaction. And I think that it's so powerful and so great. And honestly, I also think that it's wonderful that they're going to continue to play because personally, you have to keep playing the sports to keep the eyes on the court, but they can still continue sending that message out there at the same time. I'd like to think that you'd be able to do it a different way, but you probably can't. So I applaud them for continuing to play. And it's, and it's incredible. Once again, through this thing, sports continues to stay out there and is just leading us, I think, in ways that are so powerful and interesting. Cameron, you know, your thoughts on it. It's just a lot going on and, and we couldn't help ourselves, but not want to talk about it. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I can't help myself from wanting to talk about it because I have a lot of different reactions and a lot of different things that I'm feeling. You know, the first thought is, wow, you know, this is, this is an amazing thing for the, you know, it started with the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously being just 40 miles from Kenosha and Kenosha is actually, you know, probably just as close to Chicago or the north suburbs as it is to Milwaukee. So this whole thing, you know, it's hitting home for Bears fans. It's So anyway, I, I think what the NBA did yesterday and in response to today and, and we'll be doing moving forward, I think it's very cool, you know, that, that the players, that the teams, organizations took it upon themselves to halt what we're doing, halt the consciousness and say, hey, we need to we need to do something. We need to take a look at this. We need to put our attention on this topic. I think that's amazing. I love, you know, I love people taking agency for what they believe in and trying to say, hey, I've got this platform. Let's take advantage of it. Let's get a message out. 
you know, whether you agree with it, whether, you know, that's not really the point. The point is these players have something they believe in and they're attempting to do something major. Now I have another reaction to it and it's a little bit different from yours. I'm not necessarily saying I'm ready for them to go back and play. That's not to say that I don't want them to play. I would love for there to be basketball. You know, we've been sitting in quarantine without anything to watch. I've resorted to watching Big Brother and treating it like sports. But, I mean, I would love for there to be NBA playoffs. It's my favorite sports season to watch. But if if they're going to go out there and make this momentous movement and say, hey, this is who, you know, this is who we are, this is what we believe in, this is what we stand up for, you know, I'm not sure that one game or two games are saying, hey, we're not doing this for two days is enough. This is a bigger moment historically, and I want to see more get done. And I think that the way that more gets done is by, you know, taking a, an even more drastic measure. When the NBA decides, hey, we're going to sit out these playoffs, this playoff game, or maybe for a week or two or three, maybe they don't come back at all. And maybe the other leagues look around and say, you know, maybe we're going to do the same thing. Maybe we're going to follow suit. The reason I think that's important, hear me out here. The majority of the people whose hearts we need to reach to make real serious change probably aren't the people watching the NBA anyway. You know, if you had a, if you were opposed to a black lives matter movement, you probably weren't an NBA fan anyway, but the NFL is the largest fan base in this country. The absolute largest fan base in this country. If the NBA players have so much weight and the NFL follows suit and those players say, Hey, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm not going to take the field. I'm going to hold back. Then the NFL doesn't go out there and play. Now we're getting in front of people whose hearts really may need changing. And I'm not saying whose hearts need to change. That's not for me to decide. All I'm saying is the people that are out there, you know, the people who are the most willing to listen and the most receptive, those aren't the ones that need the message. I'll say that again. The most, the people that are the most willing to listen most times aren't the ones that need to hear the message. So we need to get the message in front of more people. And if, and if that's not playing, don't play. But I, I think it's great that they've got a message that they want to get out there, and this is how they're going about doing it. And I hear you. That is such an interesting, well-thought-out take. And for all the people that think, what are they going to accomplish by not playing? What change are they really going to make? Well, I think what they're saying is this, is that this conversation is not going away. This problem is not going away. And if the sports itself of us not playing will get you to, as you said, actually maybe look, pay attention react and actually do some inner thought about why it's affecting people so deeply and so intensely and so painfully for so many for so long, maybe that's what it's going to take. I'm there with you. I'm open to it. And I'm understanding as much as it would kill me as a bears fan, not having football on Sundays. If that is really something where we need that type of thing to have a reaction where we can have that type of conversation, then look, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, I stand behind you on that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, the NFL is made up of 70% black people, you know, it's 70% black athletes. I, you think that they are not feeling the same type of way that the NBA players are right now? You know, they're in a little bit of a different situation. The NFL, the power structure, they've never shown the support towards the players, you know, on a team-by-team -team basis, league-by, you know, the entire league basis. They've never shown the support that the NBA is showing their players right now. So the NBA is hopping, you know, coming to the to the, to the the aid of the players and, and saying, hey, we got you, we support you, let's do this together. Whereas the NFL in the past, when people have tried to make stand statements like this, you know, they've shut them down. They've blackballed players. Even on the, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the uncomfortable conversations with the black man with Emmanuel Acho. Um, 
but he had uh, Roger Goodell on his episode this week, and Roger Goodell basically had the opportunity to admit, you know, that the way he even said it that the way they handled the Colin Kaepernick situation in 2016 was wrong. You know, to, he said it; it was wrong, but nothing got done. You know, no changes. There was there was nothing that got done. Acknowledging the mistake is one thing, but fixing it is really what we're looking for. And that's what all anyone's asking is, hey, listen to us, hear us take this seriously and so if, if you got to get rid of sports all those people out there that say who cares who cares who cares well you care you care that's why you're saying it if you didn't care you wouldn't know you wouldn't mention it but you care admit it this has been coming for the nfl since june now where they for the very first time made a pivot made a made a decision to acknowledge black lives matter acknowledge colin kaepernick not only just by his name but as you just mentioned that what happened to him was wrong at the very least, he should have been getting opportunities in camp, should have been a number two, number three, at least somewhere, like bare minimum. I mean, the guy... You can't tell me that Colin Kaepernick's not one of the 60 best quarterbacks in the country right now. Exactly. So the NFL, when they decided to do those things, that was the first time where you're like, all right, maybe the NFL is changing. And these are words, right? And in comparison to the NBA, they've already done the words where they're putting the, the, you know, their phrases on the back of the jerseys, Black Lives Matter on the court. But now you're seeing action from the NBA. And this is what's going to happen with the NFL, right? Where they have used their words to say that we are with you and support this. Now let's see if these players decide to sit out, whether the NFL will support them in those actions. I agree. And like, I mean, I just want to hit it home one more time. We don't want to see, you know, we want to see football. We want to see basketball. We want to see baseball. We want to see games we played. We want to see life return to normal. But right now, our version of normal, there's a great chunk of the country that does not feel safe in what we consider to be normal, you know? So if, if this is what it takes, then this is what it takes. And I'm going to continue to support that. Should we get into Brian Urlacher real quick and then get on to like some football? Have, I feel like we have to, I don't want to, but not, we have to, I'm not right? looking forward to it. You know, I'm not looking forward to it either. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll kick it off first where let's do that game, right? Where we all preface it with where we come from and then where we are now, Brian Urlacher, one of my favorite Chicago bears, of all time from the moment that he put on the jersey. I own a game-worn 54 jersey in my closet that I've worn many times in my life. He took us to a Super Bowl. He was the poster of the face of the Bears. Now, having said all of that, Brian Urlacher. Now, I respect everyone's First Amendment right and to say what you want and to have opinions and feelings, but honestly, I just have to ask you, Brian Urlacher, what are you doing in this situation why are you even speaking right now? You've had six months to speak up about so many different issues going on right now, about moral justice, systemic racism, you know, take your pick the way of the world. And now you're choosing to speak up about this particular moment right now without empathy, compassion, or any sort of compass of morality. And it's just utterly so incredibly disappointing. And the false equivalency that he uses, and he uses a football reference to compare what is exactly going on right now. And my man, I know First Amendment rights say what you want, but for me sometimes I just feel like people need to shut up and listen sometimes. And in this moment right now, I think this is where Brian Urlacher needs to just shut up and listen and try and figure out why this is causing so much pain and why people are reacting so intensely to it. Because obviously he doesn't get it. I want to like Brian Urlacher. I'm also a person that believes that I don't necessarily need to listen to someone's sound bites and interviews to not love what they do on the football field. I can make that distinction. But this right now with Brian Urlacher is making it really, really tough for me. 
Yeah, I think this is a really good example of just kind of the old guard and the old way of football and the old way of thinking. And I think, you know, we're trying to make progress. We're trying to change things, not just in football, not just in our country, you know, just we're just trying to make changes. Things are trying to to get past the old ways and improve. And this is really just evidence that, you know, maybe you're not paying attention or maybe maybe you are, but you just don't want to to get with the times. Maybe he's just being stubborn or, or whatever. But, you know, whether you agree with it or not, whether you think what he said was right, it just was kind of tone deaf. It was just a bad timing and poor taste. And, you know, as a Bears fan, as a former teammate or not, as a former Chicago Bear myself, like it's just it's just really disappointing. When I think of Brian Urlacher, I think of leadership, teammate, and even a word that I've thrown like justice. And for him to step in like that and make that weird false equivalency and also try and make some sort of point while also having absolutely no empathy for we do understand that there are grieving families out there and people in a lot of pain about this right now. Tone deaf, you mentioned, is perfectly put and bad timing too as well. And, and it will hurt. Uh, the Bears already came out with a statement today, obviously denouncing what he said. And it will hurt with his standing with certain Bears fans. For sure. And you did make the point of like trying to make the distinction between what a guy does on the field, and what a guy does off the field. So, I mean, obviously Erlacher is an all time great bear. He was, you know, the, he's been the best bear of my lifetime. That's without a doubt. And, you know, his legacy on the field will remain unchanged, but you know, as we continue to kind of try and move forward and, and as this game, you know, moves forward, as this country moves forward, we're going to try and get away from stuff like this, thinking like this, and you just kind of wish sometimes that, you know, if you if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And which yeah. is which sounds like the most snowflake thing that I've ever said. But you know it's what? simplistic. But, it's simplistic, but it kind of works. It, it definitely works in this situation. <laughs> Brian, just just don't talk. Just, and Charles, Charles Barkley said it best, you know, athletes aren't role models. I'm not a role model. But, you know, what? there are some athletes out there trying to be role models. And I think Cameron Lee just might be one of them if I might just throw you in that category. But I just oh. wish I just want to I just want to mute Brian Urlacher for the rest of my life and just enjoy what he did on the field. That's just all I want to do. I, I, I'm good. I'm good on you. You know what we could do? You know, like when you go into like a Hall of Fame display or exhibit and there's just like that running, quiet, just like film, you know, the film's just rolling and we're just like highlight after highlight after highlight. But we never have to hear you talk. That's where I want Brian Urlacher. Stay there. Stay in that memory of me. Stay in that memory for me, you know. But I saw that. Uh, after I saw the tweet or whatever of, of Verlacher, someone immediately put up a um, a post or like a response to it, and it was like not hard to believe that this quote came from the guy that whiffed so bad on Tom Brady or whatever. And it's that gif of him and Tom Brady just puts the slowest juke of all time. And I don't know what happened, but Erlacher goes just flying by and misses him. I just thought that was really good timing. Twitter, that was a, that the internet was a stays game. undefeated. That was, a, undefeated. that was a painful game. Uh, Brady just roasted us at home that night, if I, if I remember correctly. I've and never seen him evade anyone, let alone maybe, you know, one of the three or four greatest linebackers of the last 25 years. So, Well, Cameron, let's get into some football and not to evade what we've just been talking about. And I hope people understand that we're talking about this stuff because it's important and it's on our minds. And I know that you guys come here to listen to football, but we also want to talk about this stuff too, as well, because this is really important and powerful stuff. And and that's what sports can do, and that's, I think, why we love sports so much. Going on to the field, though, Cameron, Bears dealt with a blow. Tell me, is there anything worse in football than the two words, non-contact? <laughs> it's scary. It's absolutely scary anytime you hear about the non-contact injuries. But, 
yeah it's it's terrifying and and when you watch the video of of demont going down and you're like what the hell just happened that's terrifying watching him get hurt like that but i'm glad so to hear that it started for me like this i saw the first tweet david montgomery carted off field with non-contact injury so i grabbed you know the brown paper bag next to my bed and i start huffing it because i'm losing my mind was and this when you texted me and said <laughs> no <laughs> And you know what? I didn't even text that. It was one of those speak into the phone ones. And that was me actually screaming at, you know, <laughs> into the phone. And then I think about an hour later, the video came out. It was, it was said that he wasn't carted off the field. He walked off the field in his own power, then carted off. Distinction difference though, right, Cameron? I found that part to be so funny because people are like, he was on a cart. And I'm like, you, do you understand how big that facility is? If he got on a cart, I mean, everyone gets on a cart. It's like a quarter mile ride at the minimum. So, I mean, yeah, like anyone could have been on a cart that day he hurt his groin and he walked the 12 blocks back to the facility so it's, he's probably it's a good dead. it's a good country mile out there and turns out it wasn't a knee thank goodness but it is a groin still a very very serious injury for a running back they put the marker right now at two to four weeks david montgomery even if you go those four weeks i think that puts him at week one week two you're probably going to be playing this more on the cautious side correct we're not rushing this dude back yeah, so I think you have to be cautious. You know, they say that two to four week time frame, sure that puts us right around week one. But even so, if he comes back, that's not to say that he's gonna be one hundred percent. You know, I, I don't think the Bears have tremendous running back depth. I don't think anyone does. We pointed that out, I believe, on the very first episode of Believe in Bears. You know, you have to be cautious in this situation. So if I'm the Bears, I'm looking at all my options, I'm evaluating all my options. And and I don't know what the best option may be, but I'm not sure that they've got a guy on their roster that right now at this point I go, oh, if we don't have Dave Montgomery week one, I'm comfortable putting blank in there uh, and giving them the primary, you know, the primary amount of our carries and having someone play first and every first and second down. So I, I I'm looking at this and I am I'm a little I'm a little nervous if I'm the Bears. And for David Montgomery, a groin injury, I've had one before. It sucks. And even when you think that you are 100%, I think that is one of the injuries where you're not so sure. You're not exactly cutting and, and, and planting that leg and, and going as hard as you think you can because you don't know when go, that sucker's going to be back on the ground. Go ahead and tell the people about your groin injury, Joey. What, what were you doing that you got this groin injury? Freshman year of high school. Now, we've talked about you playing hoops. I actually could hoop. I was actually really good in junior high. I had a great Bill Winnington baseline jumper. Great on the boards, too, inside the paint. So freshman year, I'm all geared up. I'm trying to make JV, trying to, like, put my marker on it. We're in two days of camp tryouts. We're doing that side-to-side -side drill where you have to plant your foot on the line to stop a guy at his spot and then go side-to-side. -side. Get about three in. Plant the old left foot on that line. I got there, Cameron. I got there before him, just for the record. And I just hear this, yep, you know, and it just, it feels like it drops to the ground and then it just rises right up back up like a rubber band. And I just went down. I went down for the count. Uh, had a rough freshman year romantically, Cameron, because that injury <laughs> stuck with me for a long time. Did not make the team. Just a really tough thing to get over. And then eventually when you do get back, and I was a catcher in high school, when you're trying to get back and you're trying to go side to side a little bit, you're just thinking about it. You're just, please don't let, give me that feeling one more time. So Dave Montgomery, I'm there with you, man. Groin to groin. I hear you. 
that's one thing I did not anticipate was us was uh, Joey Christopoulos going groin to groin with David Montgomery on today's show. But I'm glad that we got there, and I'm glad that you can relate and you can relate to what David Montgomery is going through right now. That being said, Joey, who do we like as our options as far as you know replacing David Montgomery if we go into Week One and let's say he's not 100. percent Let's go to the buffet, shall we? And I think it's the 599 plate that we're going to at this time. A lot of options out there. I mean, Devontae Freeman is a guy that we've talked about previously on the pod who I like still. 28 years old. Look, they said he lost a step last year. He wasn't very effective from the backfield. He still caught 59 passes last year, which I believe he put up almost the similar numbers that Dave Montgomery put up last year, a step slower. Had a foot injury too as well, so you're going to have to work him out. But then you got CJ Prosize, Spencer Ware, Isaiah Crowell, Bilal Powell. My man, those are guys that when they're on your fancy roster and someone bails, you know, if someone's out Friday, Saturday night, and you got to, you're like, who are you starting? I'm starting Spencer Ware. All right, let's do it. Isaiah Crowell, here we go. So the options aren't super great. I want to hear about if any of those guys pique your interest. I don't know if you just watched my reaction on the video, but it's it's not one of, of great optimism. You know, like you, you really hit the nail on the head. As a fantasy owner, when I look at this group, I go, oh, these are all streamable RB3s. Like, and, and now we're talking about carrying the primary workload for the Chicago Bears on a Sunday. Man, this is not a, a fun group. When I look at it, we, we continue to mention Devonta Freeman. And, and Devonta Freeman would be an ideal person in 2018 to come in and, and lead you know, the Bears and carries. Uh, he had a workout with the with the Seahawks earlier this summer. He turned down a contract offer. I don't really foresee him wanting to come in and be the Chicago Bears three-week stopgap. So, you know, that one I, I, I don't really see happening. You know, you've got the CJ Pro size type or the Bilal Pal. Again, two guys who have had decent weeks in the NFL, but not guys that I'm – thrilled to throw in there with this offense that has struggled at times you know it's going to have a lot of attention on them i there's just not a player out there that really bring bring paging chester taylor uh, <laughs> is, is mike davis around michael i Turner, think we did anyone? this yeah. we did the mike davis experience didn't we we did the mike davis experience and he's back he's someone he got a second season somehow and that's where it is and Devonte freeman yeah he turned down a four million dollar contract and i think the bears have about two million tops that they could probably throw at a player so Devonte freeman interesting athlete crossroads right four million no two million okay or zero zero million i'll carry i'll carry the rock i would be a chicago bear for a couple weeks for two million but Devonte may not feel that way i think that i'm more likely to hop in and make a a contribution in the tight end room like i said if bradley soul could do it if bradley soul could do it cameron lee can do it you know, I'd be out there shooting those layups with Jimmy Graham. If he holds is like treating you like Iceman when Maverick gets there at first to Top Gun, he's just like, oh, look at you, hot shot. You think you got it, huh? You That's think exactly you know it to play you know what? I for six plays a game? And you know what I can't wait to do while we're staying on that metaphor? Take off my shirt, wear a pair of jeans, and play a little beach volleyball, baby. Hey, I'm late for a date here. I got to go shower at my uh, my girlfriend's place. I'll be, I'll be right back for you. So, hey, put on the oven mitts real quick. I got a hot take for you. I didn't create it. It's been around on the internet this week. A lot of interesting situations going on with the New York Jets right now. The Bears need a running back. 
A gentleman named Le'Veon Bell is on that team. He's already been tweeting that his reps are being cut with Frank Gore. And then today they traded for Kellen Balage. They got the Balage Hotel. They got the VIP service. What does this mean for Le'Veon Bell? Would you even be interested? And if you were interested, what would the price be that would be too pricey for you? It's, I'm obviously going to have interest in, in a player like Le'Veon Bell. We've already mentioned that there's practically no depth here. So any depth is you know tempting. We're definitely going to be giving up some picks in this situation. I would rather have David Montgomery, if I'm being completely honest. I'd rather have David Montgomery. So I don't want to be throwing out there too much because within two, three weeks into the season, I think we'll have a fully healthy, younger David Montgomery you know, back in business. So that personally, that's my preference. We got plenty enough to win with. Coach speak right there. That was a little coach speak. What does that mean? Like it means that. we're not good enough, but we should, if we listen to me, we'll get the job done. Is that what that means? If I knew how to interpret what coach has said, like I said, I wouldn't be here. I'd be, I'd be in camp right now, but I'm not. I'm hanging out in a room with you. But, you know, knowing the Bears, I mean, it smells like Spencer Ware to me. Knows the Chiefs system, knows Matt Nagy, good in a pinch. He's the Nick Foles of Chiefs running backs. I mean, it seems like a match made in heaven to me. I think you're right. That is, seems to be Nagy's default move is, when in doubt, go with a guy that I've had on my bench before. Spencer Ware was a backup running back for the Chiefs for, what, five years, six years? I don't know that he was ever technically a starter. He's always something that's tempting as an RB2, RB3 in my fantasy league. And here's the deal is we've heard actually really positive things this week. Juan Castillo, I guess, has been absolutely glowing about the play of James Daniel so far. And Jermaine Orfetti, your boy, is stepped into right guard, and he seems to be very comfortable and having a strong camp as well. That seems like early reports are that's trending in the right direction. Now can they just make the right pick and bring in somebody to just help out with that depth at running back? And I think I think another thing that we don't consider enough is when you look around the around the league, a lot of times you'll see teams have a good running back and he might go down and then the backup seems to be just as good or have another, you know, have a good season as well. It's very possible that the Bears have that guy and we just don't know who it is yet. You know what I mean? Tariq, I'm not sure that Tariq is an every down back, so him being your number two is less than ideal. But I don't know that that Ryan Nall or Artavis Pierce, maybe those guys can be that guy. But, you know, with the inconsistent line play that we've seen in the past, we haven't had really the opportunity to see one of these guys, you know, have the chance to be the guy. So maybe that guy's already sitting on the roster and we're already overlooking him. And if so, that's my bad. And that's the hope this season is that the Bears running game gets back to 20 to 25 carries a game. And when it's going great, 25 to 30, you talked about Tariq Cohen. I'm way for Tariq Cohen getting 15 touches in a game. I'm not so sure about Tariq Cohen getting 15 carries in a game. I don't know if that's exactly going to lead to success. Yeah, I think it's really closer to five to seven carries and four to five catches. I think that's really closer to a more manageable workload for Tariq. Like we continue to point out, he is a gadget player. He's not an every down back. He's not the kind of guy that needs to get 20 carries in a game. If, if that is what you're going to ask of him, I think you're asking too much. And I wouldn't see, I don't see that as a being a successful formula. We're getting closer to some decisions and some depth charts getting made out here on this bears roster. So we still got a little bit of time. Maybe it's time we hop into Cameron's catamaran here and get into a little bit of a question I wanted to ask you. Now for me, I'm a bears fan. I'm a football fan. We're getting closer to week one. We're getting closer to the season starting. And when that happens, I'm a seasonal guy. And when I get seasonal, I like watching movies. And certain movies 
I like to watch leading into the football season that really like get me going. There's a couple that I have to hit that just makes me feel like I'm ready to watch a little gridiron and eat some nachos. But is there a movie maybe when you were growing up that you watch it maybe the, the night before the first game of the season just to get you jacked up or something that gets your heart flowing, gets the tears going? Okay, so my go-to football movie, I, I've got two that really stand out in my mind. The first one is Friday Night Lights. I love the movie. A lot of people like the series. The series is okay. The movie, I believe, is excellent. The book's even better. The soundtrack's I, fantastic as well. You can take the soundtrack anywhere with you. Yeah. Did I do that right? You did it perfectly. It was, yeah, thank you. I, I'm going to auto-tune it. It'll be great. <laughs> anyway, uh, the two that I really that I always come back to are, are one, Friday Night Lights, and two, Remember the Titans. The thing that I noticed when I was kind of breaking down this category of trying to come up with great football movies, the best football movies are about high school. And the reason I think that is is because, you know, when you get to covering college or the NFL the scope of this situation, it changes so much because at that point you're kind of thinking and you're focusing more on one specific player. Whereas in high school, there's not so much going on beyond just the school, the football, the, the town. Yeah. Yeah. You do it for the town. I always said that I got to play in the NFL. I got to play in college, but the most fun, just the most fun I ever had. And it's not just cause I was, kicking the shit out of kids that were half my size <laughs> but the most fun thing i ever did was put on you know my my high school jersey and just feel like i was going to war with a neighboring small town you know over something that really wasn't that big of a deal but in that moment it was the biggest thing i love the way the high school football is captured in movies and i think friday night lights all it, it with it being a true story obviously but just does it so well and that one for me hits home every single time High school football for you, Friday night or Saturday morning? What did your team do? Friday night. We are a small, small, small school in central Illinois. We are all Friday night people. And did you did you feel that? Did you feel that with the town? Like in all those movies which you mentioned, that's what's so great about them is, yeah, any given Sunday, like they're basically like doing music videos and dealing with all the pressure in college. Usually college football movies get a little dark except for the one and only Rudy. But in high school, it's definitely about the town, and they always do the drive-through, and everyone's waving and hello, and everyone knows every single player on the team, and always the guy buys them the six-pack at the convenience store. You know, what was Friday Night Football like for you in your small town? Yeah, Friday Night Football is just like an unreal, an unreal experience because when you're good, it's the best. You know, when you're from a town of just a thousand people, when you only have three hundred people or less in your high school, when you're winning. Everyone is so invested. It's, I mean, I didn't feel like anything else was going on. You know, it was literally just about playing those games. And for a while I was in high school, I think it was my junior year, we were, I think we were like 6-0 and or 7-0-0 and at one point. And there's just so much buzz in the town and you can just feel it in every single week. And we were building up and we were, uh, I think we were like ranked at one point and we we're playing another undefeated team that was also ranked. And it was just it was like the homecoming game. The news crew was there. It was, I mean, just hysteria for this tiny little town. And of course, we go out and get beat forty to nothing. That's really oh, not the no. point of the story. No. That's not the point of the story. But, but just the amount, the energy there. I really can't explain it. It's the kind of thing you would have had to, to you know, see to believe and experience and feel. It's just such a, a different type of feeling. Now, like I. In college, I played in the national championship game. I played for the Chicago Bears. I've taken the field at Soldier Field. It's 
those are awesome feelings, but it feels much bigger. And, and obviously it is bigger, but less personal. You know what I mean? The, the feeling when like, you know, you're not repping for a whole bunch of people who are like, Oh, go bears. But the people that are like, Hey, go Cameron. That's my son, or that's my friend, or that's my neighbor. And you genuinely feel like you're defending the honor of those people that, you know, mean the most to you. Oh, that was my tutor in high school. And, and I must, you know, her pride is on the line like that to me. Yeah. It just meant so much. And I honestly felt like every single week we were going to war with neighboring towns. And I'm sure that this sounds so stupid and barbaric and whatever, but I mean, that's the community and that's the feeling. And that's, it was the best feeling in the world for those nine, 10, 11 weeks during the fall, you felt like you had the most important job in the world. And looking back on it, it's, it's just a game, but you couldn't have told me that at the time. But it's important to have those moments, right? Especially when you're young, those competitive moments where it's all on the line. And you mentioned that you got your butt beat. I was going to say, I was so lined up with like, what did you do that Friday night after the game when you won? But 40 to nothing, I don't know exactly what might have happened. I believe uh, we were listening to Just a Dream by Nelly, you know, because it was just like, uh, it was only just a dream. Because like at that point, I thought we were going undefeated. We were going to win state. It was 2011. You know, that song was like really hitting at the time. And I cried. I cried a lot. I was going to say, there's a lot in that, right? Like there's a lot in the pain of loss and learning the humility of victory. And I, growing up, man, when I was playing sports, I, I wasn't saying I had the ability of MJ, but I had a bit of the mentality of MJ where I literally would create villains in my mind of rival teams that I'd play against. Cause you'd play these guys a couple of times. And after a while, you just like would see these dudes and they were really good and you respected them, but you hated them and you wanted to be better than them. And you always kind of measured yourself up against them. One of the dudes that was a villain of mine ended up becoming a great friend of mine later in life. But that's the kind of stuff, man, and learning how to lose and learning that it's okay to lose and, and getting ambitious in that hunger to prove everybody wrong and go back and win again. Yeah. I, I hate to sound like a cornball because I know I do when I say this, but really some of the absolute greatest life lessons that I've ever learned have been learned on the field or going through practice or training all that stuff i really learned so much about being a man and dealing with adversity and handling pressure and you know taking a loss or you know being yelled at it's there's really few places that can just kind of give you so many life lessons all at once you know and throw them at you and you learn to deal with it and i think that's an important part of Growing up, not saying that you have to play football to be an adult or to be a, a man or whatever it is. But for me personally, so many experiences came through those life lessons of playing sports. And I'm thankful for, for all of that. Yeah, we're both speaking the same graces, but uh, working in the entertainment industry, comedian over these years, I grew up passionately loving sports. But of course, the people that I'm around, a lot of them hate it, you know, to the point of just get away from me. But the interesting conversations that I would have is, we are all exposed to sports when we are growing up as kids. And for them, they had to go through their own life lesson of realizing that that type of thing isn't for them. Now, that doesn't make them better or worse. It just makes them different. And the cool part about it was that they learned different traits. Like they learned about individuality and they learned about, you know, going against the grain and following their own instincts and not playing sports, you know. And that wasn't me, but I still like respect that that still that moment still had to be that decision for a lot of people being picked last on the basketball team. They hate sports, but that like that fueled them 
to the different success and different vocation of their lives. And that's why I like, I love sports. Even, even if you don't like sports, like I still love you because it informed you in some way of the type of character and person that you want to become. Yeah. I think that's so cool. I just think it's cool that you're pointing out that like in your different, your different groups, you had different interests. That was one of the things like for me when I was in college, you know, I happened to play sports my entire life. I've played sports and I've been pretty good at sports, but I never felt like I was the jock per se. I just happened to play the sports. So when it came time to, you know, talking about things outside of the game, I wanted to talk about, like you mentioned, like comedy, or I wanted to talk about movies. I was the kid in college that wrote a blog and happened to play college football and tried to perform stand-up comedy. And people roasted my ass on my football team. People like just didn't get me. And it just bounced right off of me. Cause like, that's, if you're going to make fun of me for the things that I like, I mean, you're making fun of yourself essentially. But it was just so funny, like growing up in that environment and being a part of that environment, there's 110 dudes on my football team. And I, I mean, all of them, you know, like they're, those are my guys, those are my teammates, my brothers, if you will, but like, you don't understand me at all. And like, that's okay. I mean, I'm not, I get it. I totally get it. Cause I'm a part of your world, but I'm a part of other worlds too. And there's a lot more to it. So I just think it's so cool. Like the way that these different little areas and different things can help shape you, help shape your view. And I think that we all need to continue to be more accepting of the things that we didn't do. You know, you don't necessarily have to do it. I'm not telling you to go out there and and try the things that you disagree with, but just like if someone disagrees with you, they're not your enemy, they're just different. And just accepting that and just saying, hey, cool, I get where you're coming from or I don't get it, but I'm not afraid of it. That's the thing. Whatever makes you happy. I mean, what a, go for it. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to like everything in the world and you don't have to like all the things that I like either, but at least respect the fact that the stuff that I like gives me joy and that should be who, enough. Who knew that when they turned tuned into today's podcast, they're getting the like, believe in really deep messages. podcast. That's why you Pretty do the comedy. It. We're still 18 days away from week one and yeah. <laughs> we're going to do a tarot card reading. But uh, no, I wanted to bring up one of my movies. I wanted to bring up that. I got two films that I love to watch before week one and they're diametrically opposed. One obviously is Rudy. I know it's easy. It's easy because it's amazing. It's a perfect movie. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. And the second one is uh, the program. I love the program. I love that movie so much. It is so, it's like the point break of college football movies. There are so many wild ripped from the headline stories, all just packed into one team You've got the quarterback who's who lives on the edge and he's he's drinking and his whole life he's just trying to prove to his daddy that he can do it but he just keeps taking these chances on a motorcycle latimer's on the steroids popping his head through the glass window you know they're trying to cheat to get omar epps into college with a tutor and halle berry you got the linebacker you know talking the most amazing trash talk in a football movie ever that movie gets me jacked up you ever seen the program I have seen the program. The pro my beef with the program is that it's like exactly what everyone assumes football players are. <laughs> and I'm here. My actual purpose in life is trying to say, hey, there's a lot more to these guys than that. And you're going out there and propping up this movie that's literally like, yeah, they all do steroids and drink too much. It's wild. And it's, it's unfortunately fairly dated as it moves further along because it gets more and more ridiculous. But they really just try and pack every single sports football cliche. Every trope. Darkness. Yeah, every single trope. Even like the head coach is like trying to hang on to the glory, but he's getting like investigated. And it's just so 90s. And I, I love it. And it led to a lot of great careers. A lot of great actors came out of that movie. So 
I'm fully on board with that. I have to watch those two. Either that or like A Few Good Men because of the leaves. It reminds me of autumn. I was going to ask you, what's your go-to fall movie not football related? I do like Goodwill Hunting in the fall. It's a great movie to watch in the fall. It's a little cold, that's, but they're still wearing the shirts. You, but you that's see on my movie. list, man. It is, a, it is a great fall movie. It's fantastic. They talk about you know Carlton Fisk in the World Series, so you know it's kind of October-ish. Mm-hmm. And it just has that crisp kind of cold feeling of getting in that car in the morning and it's still, you're like, Oh man, this is going to be six months of cold weather. Here we go. That, that movie for sure. Few good men. Definitely. Cause it's very autumn. It's very colorful with the leaves. My, the other one that I came up with, cause I, I wrote down Goodwill hunting, but the other one that I came up with is October sky, which I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, it's basically a movie about these kids uh, who are really interested in rocketry. And eventually one of them goes on to become a NASA engineer it's uh takes place in, like the 50s and the 60s i don't know why i like it so much it's jake gyllenhaal it's got laura dern and i'm really a sucker for anything with laura dern in it uh, i don't know why she's like fine wine she's one of those ladies that just continues to get cuter and cuter over time so she's she's one that i would put in the category of cute not hot but i love her man she's she's one of my all-time favorites she's getting an at after that man we have to we have to hook this up somehow with laura dern yeah, there's just some movies, you know, Three Musketeers, the Disney movie with, you know, Kiefer Sutherland and Oliver Platt and Charlie Sheen. I've seen that movie 600 times. It's not a good movie, but it's comfort food. It's like eating a Hot Pocket out of the microwave. I just put it on. I know it's going to happen. I'm into it. I can ride with it. That's how I know you and I had different upbringings because Hot Pockets are gross, bro. <laughs> the only funny part is this is a very small window for me in terms of watching movies right now because once football starts, we get dangerously close, dangerously close to October. And I'm, I'm a horror movie guy. So I start ripping all the horror movies, much to my wife's chagrin. Are you in or out on horror films, Cameron Lee? Okay, so I'm, I've never been in on horror films, but I am somewhat of a self-proclaimed movie buff. So I have made, I have made it a point that I'm going to watch some of the classics. Uh, I, in the past, I, I always watched The Shining. I, I love The Shining. But as far as horror movies go... I saw paranormal activity in theaters when I was too young and it messed me up for a very long time. I did not sleep well for about six weeks. And so ever since I've not been really good about it, I tend to watch one horror movie a year just to say that I did it, but I've, I've already written it down in my notes. I'm going to watch three or four horror classics this year. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a big boy. I'm turning 27 this year. It's time that I, I step up. I proved to my child that I am a man, a full-grown man, and I can watch horror movies. Uh, I drive a Dodge Stratus. Did I do that right? You did it right. I'm a little bit older than you, son, so let me tell you a quick story about a horror movie that I saw in the movie theaters. I saw Blair Witch in the movie theaters, and if you don't, you might not remember, back in the late 90s, I walked into that movie theater thinking that it was real. I'm not joking because they did a fake documentary. They did a whole campaign. And I went to the movie theater thinking that I was actually watching video recorded footage that they somehow got released. And I walked, I went home thinking that it was real. And I didn't go in the basement for like three weeks. That's, ex- that's the exact story of what happened to me in Paranormal Activity. I thought it was a true story because it was <laughs> shot on like a camcorder, like a home, home video or whatever. And I was like, oh God, this house is terrible and why would they why would they put this out for mass consumption why is this happening why hasn't this house been condemned the family signed off yeah they didn't knock down the house and doing intense tests on it at all times question for you is it's different for everybody at what age do you get to before when you watch a movie in the opening credits it says based on a true story 
you know, growing up based on true story with me was just like, really? Wow. And then you get to the point in age when you're like, really? Is it? Uh, Is it though? Based on actual events? How old were you when that started to kind of flip on you? Yeah, I think it was right around the age of 15 or 16 that I started like question more and more like, eh, eh, you, what, what does that really mean? You know, show your work. There's a lot of things. Yeah, there, <laughs> show your work. And that's exactly right. I couldn't, I couldn't do that when I was in algebra. So, you know, all of a sudden, I don't, how, how valid is this? I'm not sure that I believe you. So Cameron, we're still a couple weeks away from week one. We're going to get you a horror movie list, my friend. And as the bears are soaring up the standings, you are also going to be terrified at night. And we are going to talk about it as we move along. Episode five in the books. Cameron, my friend, take us out in another great episode. You've been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast. Our sponsor today was betonline.ag. Make sure you guys check out all of the awesome content on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you like us, subscribe to the podcast. It really goes a long way. And for Joey Christopoulos, I'm Cameron Lee. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 